0: In the name of him whose love is so deep and wide as the Sunbeam children choir sang about, dear friends in Christ. In a recent survey and study done by Amazon.com, which is the nation's largest online retail seller of books and other printed material, they did in that survey a listing of how many books, how many different titles you could purchase through Amazon.com by subject matter area. For example, if you wanted a book on heaven type heaven into the search engine, you would come up with 2,600 different books on heaven. They might not all be theological, biblically spot on, but you can find a lot of books on heaven. If you wanted to find a book about money, you could find over 10,000 books on money. If you wanted to find a book about sexuality, nearly 16,000 different titles. could be a little scary, but it's out there. If you wanted to find a book about God, over 19,000 different books on God. And if you wanted to find a book about love you could purchase over 30,000 different books on love through Amazon.com. Many people are searching for, many people are looking for, trying to write, trying to define, trying to figure out what love is all about. St. Paul, in his first letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 12, talks about spiritual gifts. And as he gets to the end of chapter 12 and segues into chapter 13, he talks about the greatest of gifts. He talks about love, and he says, and now I will show you The most excellent way. And as we continue in our sermon series on 1 Corinthians 13 and love, biblical love, and the characteristics of that love that Pastor Joe started us off with last week, today we're going to focus on, as we seek by the power of the Spirit, to live out that most excellent way to learn more about the characteristic that Paul writes about in chapter 13, the second half of verse 4, that love is kind. Now there's a lot of different definitions out there. What does it mean to be kind? One definition is this. It's to be gracious to others. To be gracious to others. Another definition of kindness is it's the art of being a dear, D-E-A-R. Mark Twain said this about kindness. Kindness is a language that deaf people can hear and that blind people can read. There is something remarkable about the kindness of the Lord that flows from the love of the Lord. Now, we live in a day and a time in our society where I think increasingly kindness has become a rare commodity, isn't it? And there may be many and varied reasons for that. Perhaps it's the sheer pace of life under which many of us undertake things. Many of us are overscheduled, stressed out, with very little margin in our lives sometimes to allow for other things. Maybe, perhaps, as some people write, our society is becoming more narcissistic. We're more focused on ourselves, and it's all about us. And I think all of us, it's easy to get self absorbed with our three favorite people me, myself, and I. Um, Just as a side note, this past week, um, uh, Laura and the kids and I were out east for a little vacation, and I was taking Nathan on some college visits. And we were in New York City for a couple days and a lot of different street corners, and I guess I've seen these being sold around here too, but a lot of vendors were trying to sell me from anywhere from $5 to $25 a selfie stick. You have one? You ever seen one? It's a selfie stick. It's a 12 to 15-inch stick of wood uh, where you can put your smartphone or some other device and you can take better selfies. I think that's a sign of the times. Of course, I'm thinking sermon illustration. My wife's thinking, we're on vacation, but anyway. But so whether it is... Whether it is the sheer pace of life and our stress, or whether we're a little too into ourselves, or maybe it's just as we live life, we get a little banged up, we get a little bruised, we get a little calloused by things. I don't think we intentionally try to be mean at times. I don't think we try to be unkind. Sometimes perhaps we just fail to take advantage of all the opportunities to live out the love of the Lord in our life and to be kind you would think that kindness would come naturally to us. Now, Brenda talked about in the children's message, random acts of kindness, and that's a nice notion. Sometimes schools will sponsor a random act of kindness day, or I heard this week the Today Show is announcing that next week is random act of kindness week. Well, I think Brenda just announced next week is random act of kindness week as well. Or some other entity in society will say this month is going to be random act of kindness month, and that's not a bad thing. But in some ways, it's sort of sad that we have to be that intentional, isn't it? That program, that structure, to be kind, to live out the love of the Lord in our life, something that should come naturally to us, but in our sinful human nature, often does not. Now, related to this very popular feature of our culture today, random acts of kindness, is a related concept, which has been big for a couple years, and that's the idea of pay it forward. Are you familiar with that? Maybe some of us have been touched by such an act. And it works like this. Let's say you're in your car and you're at the drive through at McDonald's or you're at Starbucks and there's one car ahead of you at the pay window. They leave with their order and you come up and you're going to pay for your Happy Meal or your latte or whatever it is. And the cashier says, no, put your money away. Here's your food. Your order's been paid for by the car ahead of you. And you don't know them and they don't know you. It's just a random act of kindness with the implied caveat that Pay it forward sometime to someone else when you're the lead car in the drive through or you're the person ahead of somebody in the checkout line. Pay it forward. Has that happened to anybody here? Ever experienced that? I experienced it once that I can remember. Uh, it was a couple years ago, I was taking my daughter uh, into Arby's to get something to eat after a volleyball game, and a young man hands me an Arby's card. And I said, oh, well, thank you, a gift card. And I said, what's this for? And he said, well, our church group is doing a random act of kindness pay it forward project and tonight we decided the fifteenth person to walk through Arby's was gonna get a gift card and that's you sir. I thought wow that's pretty cool and then he went on to say like tomorrow night they were gonna to go to a laundromat, give somebody a sack of quarters, some random person, pay for their laundry and hopefully they'll pay forward the favor. Then I thought to myself, I was tempted, but I didn't do this. I said, well what night are you gonna be at Dairy Queen? What night are you gonna be at Pizza Hut? I thought, no I gotta set a good example for my daughter somehow with that. But I did receive that $5 card. I appreciated it. I put it to good use that night at Arby's. And a couple weeks later, when I was at the airport, um, I did, standing in line at a food court line, I did pay forward the favor. Paul writes this in Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And if we're going to look at the love of the Lord, and if we're going to look at that characteristic of love That's kindness. What a better place to start than in Scripture. A book that's all about God, because God is all about love, and He is so kind. How is the kindness of the Lord seen throughout Scripture? Well, it's seen in many different places. For example, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 63, we see Isaiah speaking of the love of the Lord. It's a wonderful chapter. It's a hymn and prayer of praise to God's kindness. Isaiah 63, 7, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, The deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel according to his compassion and his many kindnesses. And what the Lord is saying through Isaiah to his people then to us today is that the Lord has been so kind and loving in the past. His kindness is there for our present struggles and it will be there for our future challenges as well. We look in the New Testament we see our gospel text for today. Jesus dealing and caring for the little children. We see the kindness of the Lord to God's littlest ones. For Mark 10, picking up with verse 13, And the people were bringing children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now I think everybody in the text, probably including the disciples, assumed that the Lord who fed the multitudes, who raised the dead, who walked on water, who healed the sick, did not have time for babies and little kids. But he did. He had a heart for them, an overflowing, kind, and compassionate heart for them. And he calls us to do the same, not only for children, but for people of all ages and stages of life. And our Lord Jesus Christ, true God, true man, was born into a very unkind world. He was born into a uh, dog-eat-dog, person for themselves type of the world. Not unlike today, just a different historical time and social context, there were no organizations of ministry and mercy, there were no mental health facilities, no hospitals, no orphanages, but he poured out the milk of human kindness into every bowl of human suffering that he encountered. And as we live out our lives by the power of the Spirit, we try to live out that most excellent way that Paul writes about in our text today from 1 Corinthians 13, it's easier at times to show love. To show kindness, isn't it, to family members, to fellow students at school, fellow athletes on the court, people that we work with at the office, in the plant, fellow parishioners who are loving and kind toward us, who build us up, who affirm us up where we click with them. But Jesus calls us as well to show love and kindness to those, as he exhorts us in Luke 6.35, those that we might even consider enemies challenging people but love your enemies do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back in return then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked God is kind to all the wicked The ungrateful, that's you, that's me, that's all of us, because we all sin, we all fall short, we all miss the mark, but God in his grace and his mercy and love has shown the ultimate kindness to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul writes this in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the good news of the gospel that we continue to celebrate in these weeks following Easter. That God loved us so much. He was so faithful to that promise he made to Adam and Eve in the garden that he would send his only son into this world to live that perfect life that you and I can't lead. To suffer and die the death that we deserve on a cross. And when he defeated the devil on Good Friday and on Easter morning, he did conquer the power of sin, death, and the devil. And all who believe in him will never be the same again will be transformed, and because of what he has done for us, we will have life eternal with him. It's the ultimate type of agape, self-sacrificial kind of love that we talked about last week. It's a kindness that flows from the love of the Lord that is indeed beyond all human comprehension. And we're called to live a life of love and kindness back into response for what Christ has first done for us. By the power of the Holy Spirit to strive to live by that most excellent way. Because God is love, and God is kind. St. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 of the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And we will never do it perfectly on this side of glory. Nowhere close. But when we have the love of the Lord in our lives, and we have the Spirit guiding our lives, at times our life will show that fruit. At times the love of the Lord and the kindness will show as we interact with people, that God puts in our paths. Um, Jesus, in his time, and perhaps it's true today, um, many people at that time viewed children as the littlest and the least of society. Sometimes it's easy to devalue a child. Well, they're just a little kid. Well, Jesus, in our gospel text today, treats each boy and girl in that test like if they were a king, if they were like a queen. And I think he gives us the template how to handle all people's feelings, how to interact with all people, not just the youngest and the least, but people of all ages. I think sometimes babies and kids can bring out the best in us, can't it? Sometimes we're maybe more patient and more kind and more understanding and we melt so easily when we see that cute baby or we see the little kids running around, maybe except if it's our own, right? (laughs) But they can usually melt us and bring out the best. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that we're to handle all people's feelings. To treat them as important, with gentleness, with kindness, and with tenderness. Because it's a love that flows from the love that he has first shown us. In one of my earlier uh, positions in my um, church work uh, time of service, I served as a Lutheran high school principal. And I've told a few stories along the way about those. And one of the things is, as being a principal, whether it's in a church school setting or a public school setting, it didn't matter, you have to deal with some really tough love kind of situations, and they're not pleasant. But ultimately, you're trying to show kindness because you're trying to help somebody. Not saying I was Clint Eastwood or anything, but you have to deal with some tough things sometimes. One instance was one day after chapel. We had chapel twice a week for 40 minutes, time to prayer and praise and study God's word. It was really neat. I enjoyed those years working with those teenagers. But one day coming out of chapel, I passed the last pew. I was heading to my office, and I saw the corner of my Yeah, believe it or not, one of my students, a sophomore female student, going with a knife toward a freshman student. And it's a fairly big knife. And by God's grace, I was able to get that knife out of her hand and not hurt myself or hurt her. And they never prepared me for that Concordia University, I'll tell you that. But there was a tough, kind of resolute, firm kind of love you had to deal with that and the after effects of that. And I remember having to um, expel two students once, different occasions, for very serious drug dealing. And you got the lawyers involved, and legality, and one put a lot of threats against my life. But you got to do what you got to do, ultimately, for their own good, to see where they had erred in their ways, as well as to protect the other people of that community. But fortunately, other than those almost outrageous but true examples, one of the principles I learned in those years of working with teenagers, and it has stuck with me in terms of leadership, and believe me, I practice this far from perfectly, but I learned this from working with teens, and I think it applies to people of all ages. You can motivate people of all ages to do things much more through tenderness and kindness than through toughness. Tenderness and kindness, in other words, can motivate people to do things that toughness never can In 1997, Mother Teresa, who was nearing the end of her ministry, and Mother Teresa seems to me to be someone whose whole life seemed to be motivated in returning the love and kindness of the Lord back to the poorest and most struggling of people. She was working in the poorest of the slums in Calcutta, India. And one day an American tourist, along with his wife, noticed, wow, that's Mother Teresa over there working. And um, he came up and he approached Mother Teresa and asked if he could take some pictures of her. I'd love to take some pictures of you in action. And he found out she was treating a real-life leper, someone with leprosy. And he said, I'd love to have these pictures and take them and show my friends back home. And Mother Teresa, probably in her head, thinking, oh my goodness, what a tourist. But she shows compassion and kindness and says, sure, you can take pictures. So as he's adjusting the lens of his camera, she went back to ministry. She removed the bandage off the face of this man with leprosy and there was that large gaping hole where there used to be a nose and the tourist was almost overcome with the odor and just the ugliness of that sight but after he got a few pictures he was done and he thanked mother teresa and he was going to head out and then he said oh sister i just got to make one other comment to you sister i got to tell you i wouldn't do what you're doing for 10 million dollars and mother teresa said my friend neither would i (laughs) Kindness costs, but it can't be bought. It's a matter of the heart. And it ultimately flows from the kindness that our Lord has first shown to us. It's been said that if we're going to do an act of kindness, if we're going to help somebody out with the expectation that we're going to get something back in return or we're going to be noticed for it, we're doing business. We're not doing ministry. We're not doing kindness. And if we study the gospel, I don't think we will ever find a time where Jesus is reported to have had compassion where there wasn't a demonstrable then following outward act of compassion. Jesus set the model for you and me. It's been said that love talked about is easily ignored. But love and kindness demonstrated, now that's irresistible. Jesus not only talked about love and kindness, he modeled it for you and for me. Martin Luther said this, as we live out our Christian life, always knowing it 's going to be very far from perfect on this side of glory, but at times, by the love of God and the kindness in us, we may be little Christs, that we may encounter people that they may see small glimpses of the love and the kindness of the Lord in us and We were talking the other night on the, in the Bible class, Thursday night class that if we take ourselves out of our church cultured context for a moment, which many of us operate in. What's the image of God that people who aren't church think of? And we came up with all kinds of things, whether it was a God who maybe is up there who's only a God of judgment, only a God of law, only a God who's keeping track of all of our wrongs, ready to zap us. Others might think it's a God who maybe created the world, but he's distant, he's far remote, he doesn't have a desire to connect with us and have a relationship. Well, the fact of the matter is, many people don't know the love. They don't know the mercy They don't know the grace, they don't know the kindness, they don't know the Lord. The great Christian author C.S. Lewis once attended a conference on world religions and this conference or symposium had one study of question as its focus. What, if anything, was unique to the Christian faith compared to all of the world religions? Now C.S. Lewis missed the first couple hours of day one of the conference. So when he showed up, he sat down at a table with some other scholars and writers and said, what did I miss? And one guy said, you didn't miss much. We aren't off the dime yet. We've struggled for two hours. We can't find anything that's unique about Christianity compared to any other world religion. Almost makes me wonder about that conference. But anyway, but they said, what do you think, Mr. Lewis? And he said, it's easy. It's grace. And isn't that true? It's grace. Because what do all other world religions, what do all other world philosophies, what do they all have in common? It's based on works. That man or woman makes themselves right with God. They earn points to salvation. They prevent damnation, however you word it, based on what they do. Only in Christianity is by grace. We're saved by grace through faith on account Jesus Christ has done for us. And if you think about it, um, uh, Buddhism has its eightfold path. And Hinduism has its doctrines of reincarnation and karma. Those are all works related. Judaism is very legalistic. Um, Islam has its code of law. Only in Christianity is it by grace. Only in Christianity is the love of God unconditional. And of course, only in Christianity is the one true faith. As Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus communicated that kindness, that grace, that undeserved love, and all that he did, the parables he taught, the miracles he did, his very life, ministry, and resurrection. And I don't know about you, but I know as I live my own life, and it may be true for you, I think each day I start to, in my very sinful nature, start to maybe understand a little bit more with my very limited, finite mind that every day is only by God's grace. Isn't that true? Amen? It is only and only by God's grace. And it's so undeserved. And it's so transformative. God is love, and God is kind. And I believe that God desires that his love and his presence in our lives makes a difference with those whom we come into contact with. We're always going to be works in progress. But as we grow in our love for our Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his word, we hopefully can share more of the love and more of the kindness when God places people in our paths Every day, especially many people who don't know him. One day, Joe was outside playing catch with his eight-year-old son, Pete, and they were throwing the ball around, and Pete asked his dad, Dad, do you believe in God? His dad said, I'm not sure, son. I went to church a couple times when I was little, but I really don't know if God exists. And Pete said, okay, Dad, i got to run inside. I'll be right back. And Pete, a couple minutes, ran back out later with a red balloon and a string and a pen and a note card. He said, Dad, I'm going to write a note to God, stick it on this balloon, have it go up, and if he's real, I hope he reads it. So this is what Pete wrote on his note card. Dear God, if you're real, and if you're really there, please send someone who knows you to me and my dad. Please send someone to show your love to me and my dad. And the dad thought, wow, that's cute. And he thought to himself as the balloon went up in the sky, you know, if you're up there, God, and you're real and you read it, Well, I hope you do. They went back to playing catch. A couple days later, Joe and Pete went shopping at the mall. They bought a few things. They were taking their packages back out to the car, ready to go to lunch. And the dad noticed the left driver's side tire being flat. And he said, okay, well, son, I'm going to show you a lesson in how to change a tire. So popped the trunk open, found a spare, couldn't find the tire jack for anything. Then he said, okay, son, we're going to go to plan B. I'm going to show you how to call AAA. (laughs) And that's the easier way to do it. And just as he was ready to call AAA, another guy came by. His name was Charlie. He parked three cars down. He had some bags that he was going to drop off in his car. And he noticed a father and some son maybe may in some distress. So he said, hey, can I help you? And Joe said, yeah, I got a flat tire here. I don't have a jack to change it. He said, I can help you with that. So he got his jack, and the two guys started working on the tire with little Pete watching. And those two guys talked about baseball and football and all the things they had in common and Pete at one point asked the stranger, he said, sir, can I ask you, you don't happen to be one of those Christians, do you? And if you are, do you happen to know God? And Charlie had a big smile come across his face. He said, well, I am one of those Christians, and I know God pretty well. Well, attire got changed, and then Joe decided to ask Charlie out to lunch with him, and his son. Sir, thank him for being a good neighbor. And over lunch, Joe and Charlie talked about uh, football and baseball again, and at one point, Pete asked the stranger, Charlie, why did you stop and help us? And Charlie paused for a moment and he said, well, i got to tell you, a couple years ago, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I came to know his love, I came to know his kindness, and it totally changed my life. So what I try to do time to time is to show that love and to show that kindness to others if I see people who might need that help. Joe and Charlie continued a friendship, uh, For a couple months, they started worshiping together along with their son Pete at Charlie's church. And to make a long story short, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the end of the calendar year, Joe and Charlie had come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Many people who do not know the Lord, who are not connected to that one true living God, may only be one act of kindness away from meeting a Charlie, from meeting a Christian, from meeting you and me, from meeting someone who is in a position to share the love and kindness of the Lord and have the Lord work through them. God's love and that kindness that flows from that love can and does transform lives. God's love and the kindness, it's so infectious. May we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, continue to strive to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we live out our lives and strive to live in such a most excellent way that we would show kindness that those who know us who don't know the Lord, or those that we encounter who don't know us, who don't know the Lord, may by the power of the Holy Spirit come to know Jesus Christ by seeing a little glimpse of God and his love and his kindness in our lives. May we continue to pay it forward, the love and kindness of our Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.